we weren't on that? No, we're on. I'm just asking the question. You record yourself. You just do that to me. Welcome to the intro. I'm Josh Anderson. I'm Bob Galen. Yes. So, new digs, new place. We'll see if there's new echoes or sounds here. Uh, so, you know, give us some feedback, but we're Josh. We, we always go to Josh's place, and Josh has a new place. This is his first week. This is day five. This is day five at Broadvine. At Broadvine. Yep. Yep. So, we have a good one today. We always have a good one. Uh, we have a continuation episode today, so this continues... Uh, we had a live episode, and this is the continuation with some questions today. And I think they're good questions. Mm-hmm. And Metacasters, just as a teaser, I think Josh got a little bit more more words in than he usually does. I know. So everybody, just like a few star favorite. However, you so the track wisdom, the wisdom, yeah. yeah. So yes, so rate this one, yeah. You know, not on word count, but on the quality. And I think he, I think he nailed it. If you too. can go on iTunes and rate this episode higher than all the others, then I'll shut up. <laughs> <laughs> please, please <laughs> do that in the future. Please. Well, I, I can't you. promise miracles, but I will endeavor to reduce my word count and shut up and and allow my esteemed partner a word in edgewise. Yeah. So wherever you can, let's, let's try and let's, let's get this to be the most listened episode ever. I mean, there was actually one question, Josh, if you remember where I didn't say a word. I know. (laughs) What, what the hell is up with that? (laughs) I don't know. Maybe. All right. So what else do we want to talk about here from an intro perspective? Uh, the podcast network, right? So we're continuing to roll with that. Please listen to our partners. So lots of great content that's out there. That's again, we partnered and that word is intentional. We partnered with podcasts that align with how we value bringing value to you. And there's, and there's some good ones there. I think Corey Bryan, uh, on the uh, product owner side celebrated his 50th, Mm -hmm. uh, episode, not birthday. Uh, no, his, yeah, yeah, thank you. His fiftieth episode, which I think is a cool milestone. Yeah. So we have some rocking, complimentary, and you're not going to hear the same stories. So, yeah. so different streams, different thoughts, different perspectives, all agile, unifying umbrella, agile, uh, all respectful, all real world. It doesn't get any better than our than this network, right? You're, you're getting yeah. practitioners, so yeah. so latch onto that. Yeah. What else? I, I think that's it. That's so, it. To, on to the episode? Yeah, on to the episode. All right, everyone. Right, give us your feedback. Uh, tell us how we're doing. We love to hear it, what we're doing right, what we're not doing right. But I know we're getting two turns. But on to the episode. Are you okay with the terseness? It's uncomfortable. You're really struggling with this. It's uncomfortable for me. Okay. All right. But, but on to the episode. Welcome to the Metacast. I'm Josh Anderson. And I'm Bob Galen. Yes. In a new place. In a new... Ah, we have new digs. Yeah. Uh, we're looking out. We have windows. Well, you're looking out. Yeah. I, I, I gave you the nice scenery. You did. Mostly it's, me. I'm that scenery. So where are we? Josh, we're in a beautiful Nanda downtown, Raleigh, North Carolina. This is a Raleigh address. Outskirts of, yeah. Yeah. So introduce your... Josh switched jobs. Yeah, this everyone. is day five at Broadvine. Broadvine. So Broadvine. you went from the dude to Broadvine. Yep. 
All right. Yeah. What are we going to, we're going to, um, this is a continuation episode, Metacasters. Uh, the last episode was live. It was. Live. Live. We had lots of lessons learned during the live. Yeah. Yeah. But it was, a, I thought it was a good session. I think people got a lot out of it. Oh, yeah. Feedback uh, was great. So we did a, a live Metacast session at the Triager Conference as a filler for a speaker who, uh, who uh, dropped out and, uh, it, w- it worked out really well. We had a nice audience mm-hmm. and good questions. And we're going to continue with some of those questions uh, today. So do you want to dive in? Fire away, Chief. All right. Is Agile in the robotics industry? I don't know why it wouldn't be. Yeah. It seems like Agile should be everywhere. I we know. even talked about Agile being in football, Bob. I know. If it can be in football, it can be in robotics. I mean, maybe the way to twist this is just say... You know, people are asking the wrong question sometimes. You know, can, can you, where does Agile sort of, where does it resonate? And I would say everywhere, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's not so much scrum. It's like a mindset, a lean mindset can apply anywhere. Yeah. So hardware, I, maybe what they're saying is the robotics industry is hardware-centric and things like that, which does put a wrinkle sometimes in. But, I mean, people are using but. Toyota is building hardware, yeah, right? I mean, and, that's, and that's the lean yeah. manufacturing way. Yeah. So, so the short answer is yes. Uh, this is one of my, my favorite. Check. Okay, so one. I, I need like a bell. Like ding, ding, ding. Did one, it. one down. Um, Josh, this is, this is probably the deepest one. Oh, man. Had. How would Mr. Potato Head work in an agile fashion? Uh, he would slice himself up, replicate himself. And then roll. Little fries. As a, oh, he would turn into little iterative fries. Yes. <laughs> Nicely played, sir. Nicely played. But would that include the, the body proper? And then uh, would you include the uh, appendages? In the, I think so. I think if he sliced his body into smaller pieces, he could slice his arms into smaller, like, little yeah. arms and put them on the fries. And now, this is painful. So Parallelize. So this, I mean, if you're a potato head, what you just said is pretty scary, right? I mean. You're not surviving. Yeah, but it's, but, you know. But there's another way. He could be very nimble with his body parts, right? Yeah. Like he could turn into, you know, Mr. Potato Head old and new. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, he could put hair on. And if he really wanted to be truly malleable, he could turn into Mr. Mashed Potatoes. And you could shape him however he you're, needs to be shaped. You're just, you're just <laughs> taking this poor potato and you're cooking him up and frying him up. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. I want I don't want to be that potato. Or if he wants to get really lean, he could be a chip. All right, that's all right. So better catch it. I'm on a roll. You are. You are. And I'm gonna ding the bell. Ding <laughs> you answered the question. So next question. How do you most effectively practice agile practices with legacy apps that do not lend themselves to agile development? So practices that help agile development, when I think of that, is continuous integration, continuous deployment, continuous stuff. So getting the feedback loops as short as possible around any code change you make. Agree? So maybe you know, slicing, uh, dicing, right? Iterations, continuous integration. Right. Uh, a lot of times in legacy, a lot of the testing uh, stuff we talk about in agile doesn't work real well. Mm-hmm. So putting like I would one strategy is to put like uh, sort of fences around areas that you can't build test cases for, right? Or or unit tests for or something, right? So partitioning becomes important. Mm-hmm. Another thing is as you evolve the legacy, uh, 
it does so new code in the legacy can be agilified, right? You can do unit tests. Right. So there's this sort of compartmentalize the old legacy, but as you extend the legacy, you don't have to continue to do stupid things. You can do you can take an agile approach yeah. on the new code, right? That's a that's another strategy that works. Uh, what if I just said Kanban? And uh, Kanban is like a is an agile practice mm-hmm. and it doesn't bring a lot of like T D D C I C D baggage along. It just says slice things, work on you know, work in an agile fashion, yeah. swarm, etc. I think you could bring Kanban to any legacy app, mm-hmm. and you could bring lean thinking to any legacy app, right. and have an advantage. So what I'm saying is, the, the tools matter and the structure matters, but I think you could just have. I think people get caught up in the legacy and they use it as an excuse mm-hmm. not to put on an agile mindset. Yeah. It's, like, it's like we can't make life any better, right? Because the legacy is our. It's like what's the, what's the guy in. Uh, uh, Christmas Carol, uh, Marley. <laughs> it's like the legacy is that baggage. Yeah, that right, yep. right. And all he does is scream and whine, right? Uh, it's like you can do something about it. You don't have to be always burdened down. So I, I, I think part of my answer is I think legacy can be an excuse sometimes. What do you think? Yeah, I, so I call the Boy Scout rule something that's pretty important. So that is you always leave the campsite better than when you got there. So anytime you go and you're touching the legacy code, where appropriate, bring it up to the new standard and get those tools in place. Because no one's ever going to give you the time to just go and do it all, right? So I need nine months to bring a legacy up to an agile standard. That's not going to happen. So just piecemeal it along the way. So any file you touch, bring it up to those new standards and then go. Exactly. Right. And, and stop whining. I mean, I know it's harder. But, and structure does matter. I'm not trivializing, but just just attack it. Mm-hmm. Uh, attack it with an agile mindset. Put quality first. Uh, take your time. Don't yeah. uh, don't underestimate. Ding. ding 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 ding. As Apollo Creed says, we have a rocky reference. <laughs> <laughs> it's a rocky ride this morning. Oh, how do you <laughs> how do you encourage people to want to be uh, and want is underlined a couple times. How do you encourage people to want to be agile without forcing them? I don't think you can force anybody to want something. What I end up doing is talking through um, behaviors and trying to change those behaviors and then just getting people to try things, right? Getting people to open their mind. To me, that's step one is open your mind to something different. Once you get folks to open their mind and be willing to try something and then partner with them, to make things better continually, you continue to challenge the status quo, then people will begin to get in this mindset of, okay, I don't like this, but we're actually going to do something about it. Because what happens is people have been in some environment where no one ever did anything about the problems. They just acknowledge, or maybe they didn't even acknowledge the problems. They're just like, yep, that's there. But now once you become a change agent and engage them in helping you drive that change, then it starts to snowball. I, I would agree. The thing I'm thinking about is I think there's like technical practices in Agile or techniques, and then there's the mindset. Um, and maybe oh, another way to do it is to encourage people is to focus on the mindset. So Agile principles, like transparency. Right. Uh, who, who on the planet Earth is going to fight back and push back on transparency? Uh, respect for people. Yeah. Uh, balanced work for work life. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doing quality work, yeah. <laughs> you know? So that so 
I actually disagree with the transparency thing. A lot of people want transparency, but to be a part of a transparent company, you yourself have to be transparent. And often folks have been able to hide in a corner doing things, and now they put themselves out there. And that is scary to some folks for those that haven't done it. I would agree. All I'm saying is there's sort of these parts of the Agile principles are these like mom and pa and apple pie things. Mm -hmm. And maybe use lead with those rather than you know TDD. Yeah, right. And I'm going to force that down your throat. And, and you don't know you're an engineer. You know you're a 30 year vet, mm-hmm. and you and, and doing writing your code in a different way scares you to death, mm-hmm. right? And or continuous integration sounds scary, mm-hmm. right? And legacy comes into play. So I, I think what I'm, all I'm saying is maybe start with the principles as as the why rather than the tactics as the why. Do you know what I'm getting get, And then practice that across the team. Mm-hmm. Like truth-telling. We talked about candor in one of the last minutes. Just that sort of stuff. That's what you're trying to do. Right? Help. Yeah. Right? Admit you, know, if you are freely able, anyone on this team, to ask for help, and we're not going to laugh at you. Mm-hmm. We're going to help you, et cetera. What do you think? So maybe that's a way to... Yeah. I, I, so I, I, I've been here five days, and we've not talked about ceremonies. We've not talked about... Anything like that. We've talked about behaviors and how we're going to operate and how we're going to work with each other. So maybe that's, each it, other. maybe that's sort of where I was going. Yeah. Right. So ding. 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 I like this one. I wonder how you react. And and you're sort of the first responder on all of these, which is kind of cool. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. I like it. It, what? it makes me be thoughtful. And shut my mouth. That's like, yeah. So you know how hard that is in the live po- in the live podcast. You'd ask these questions, and just stare at me, and I was still processing, trying to come up with a good answer. And you're like, "Well, Josh, what's well, your answer?" Josh. Like, I've had like three seconds to think about. Poor Josh. A well worded answer. <laughs> so here we go. How do you handle what my product team calls the King Syndrome? In quotes. When the scrum team thinks they're all that, in quotes, and has difficulty working with other teams. How do you handle that? Yeah. So I'm assuming that it's important for them to work with other teams, that those other teams are working on the same product. So that's it. There's that's an obnoxious, I actually talked to this person, and I think they were Ooh. Dis- I think they were disappointed that we didn't cover this. Uh-oh. Well, tri- good. Well, now they At Triagile. They have, they have an obnoxiously full of themselves ego you know, ego, high ego team. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know how much cross team integration there's some. Yeah. But it's also, you know, there's like 10 teams and the one team, you know, is is like clearly looks down upon everyone else in the organization. Mm-hmm. Right. Like we're better. So it's not just an integration thing. So how would you handle that? I would, um, I would have a, talk with them and right just just i'm not a beat around the bush guy so i would sit down with that team and be like listen folks there's an issue here and you guys believe you're here and therefore you think everyone else is below you and that's horribly unhealthy for this entire organization so what do you care about do you care about the organization or do you care about yourself and have that discussion that's a nice, and way. That's right. a nice way to go i mean i like you you had me when you started but then, then I like the direction you took, right? It's the organizational impact right. that you're having, right? Yeah, because they don't see that because they're only looking at themselves and they're taking a minor look 
outside and dismissing it or doing whatever and, 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 and not understanding the effect that's having on the other 90 people that are there. So whenever there's a situation like that, I always try and connect people to how their actions and behaviors affect the rest of the group. Because again, nobody, nobody wants to hurt somebody, right? And, and, and getting them to recognize that and understand how their actions affect others, to me, that's always step one in a situation like that where somebody is unknowingly causing harm. Now, if they're knowingly doing it, then that's a different problem. Well, there, may be performance that, yeah. right? there may be some performance yeah. issues or something, and you may need coaching in or coaching out of the company or something right, yeah. like that. I mean, what's nice about this this question is you could round it down to the individual, like mm-hmm. a scrum team that has someone yeah. who thinks they're all bad. And it's the same answer, actually. Right? Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. And then therefore, there's a team that mm-hmm. thinks they're all that amongst a, a set of teams. Yeah. Um, bring it up in the retro. You could sit down with the team. Yeah, uh, wherever is appropriate for the way you roll. Right. But I, I am not a beat around the bush guy. Um, you've got to just kind of drop the hammer. And I mean, I would, I would encourage them. I don't know about dropping the hammer. That sounds sort of hammerish, but. But you are an ex-Division One football player, right? No, it's just that, that, that if you tiptoe around the issue... Well, that's the candor. You're, they you're, might you're, you're bringing it up the yeah, candor. Yeah, right, yeah. I, I'm not. So we would be thoughtful and we would be respectful. Yeah, no, I wouldn't come in and say, listen, dummies. Or you, you, know, you, know, that, or you asses. You yeah. know, you're going to come in, but you're not going to be around the bush. Right, yeah. You can't afford to do that. And you guys are not... I, I probably have a... I'd probably do it privately. Like if it was an oh, individual, yeah, I'd do it yeah. privately. Yeah, without And a doubt. if it was a team, I'd do it privately as well. Yeah. Uh, I talk about the behavior. Yeah. Um, I'd also, when I'm doing an individual and I do it with a team, I usually challenge them. I'm like, you know what? If you think that every, if that you're better than everyone else, then raise the bar with everyone else. Mm-hmm. And then instead of sitting here, you know, full of yourself, help them grow. Help the organization grow. So if it's an individual, help your team grow. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I'm going to start measuring you not by your obnoxious this, but by the your ability to raise the bar for your team. Well, and to me, that's what a real senior lead engineer does. Anyway, right. right? So you talk about the best sports players, and they make other people better, right? So right. as you grow in an organization, you're you're expected to help other people level up. Yep. So so I think ding on that. Ding ding. All right. Uh, next one, I learned that company leadership is trying to make a non-development team go agile, story point. And so in, in parens, what does that mean? Story points, estimates, and uh, et cetera. And then does this make sense? And then there's a follow-on. If yes, how can I on a true product scrum team help? I like that. And if no, how can I convince leadership to back off? So, so, so they're sort I, of taking some personal yeah. action on it. I. I think it's very healthy because siloed agile in a company makes it hard. So if just one part of the organization is becoming agile and the rest isn't. Now that doesn't mean everybody has to go the full breadth of story points and everything. Is it healthy? Yeah, I think it'd be really good. Um, in fact, there was an article that uh, someone at the Dude wrote, Charles and Richard have been on a crusade to get another department using agile. And they actually got a part of the dude using Agile, and the leader of that org wrote an article on LinkedIn saying, hey, we adopted Agile, no, really? and it's working, it's helping. Oh, shouldn't send me a bit, man. Yeah, so I saw that the other day. It's, it's super exciting, because that's something that we've been 
while I was there that Richard and I were working on but for that's years. Organizational right, yeah. 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 I saw that they're both channel advisor and particularly that I contact. And it's really cool when when folks outside of product and technology and quality mm-hmm. start using it. Again, because it's a mindset thing. Yeah. Right? It's not necessarily the tools and the procedures. It's a mindset of how are we going to decompose our work right. and iterate on it. Now, back to this question. I don't think leadership should make a non-development team go agile. So I'm focusing on make. Yeah, I, think, I don't think you force people. You encourage. You inspire. So let's make sure that's happening. And then if it's happening, if that group is inspired... Then is it a good thing? And does it make sense? It's Absolutely, a, it's be a, a resource. Yeah, right. right. Be a resource for that team, and then help them host them, them. Host have them, them come into your ceremonies, or coach them. Or oh, there's remember. a million things you can do. And I think we said this at the triagile. I, I, and I contact whenever another functional group showed interest in Scrum. I, I dropped everything. I mm-hmm. was like, I, I, I was all in. Right. And it wasn't. I mean. I had a really senior role, and I was incredibly busy. But I was I was looking at it as an organizational lens, mm-hmm. and I'm like, we are now starting to drink our, you know, the Kool Aid. We are now starting to walk our talk organizationally, which right. is incredibly exciting. Because then I'm not selling it. Mm-hmm. Then it's selling itself, and the organization is starting to transform as opposed to technology is transforming. And to me, that's a good sign of success within your team. When people it's are trying to replicate it's self-serving, it. yeah. right? Because now you're not explaining. But people now start understanding. It's like clicking mm-hmm. organizationally. So you're not explaining. It's not about the story points. But folks are like, you're getting these aha moments, and you're feeding off of each other from technology, and it's mm-hmm. raising the bar for results and things. Yep. Ding, 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 baby. <laughs> My, My management is constantly, this is pretty long, so. Uh, My management is constantly interested in, quote, unquote, continuous improvement. They want us to, quote, unquote, prove how we are doing this via metrics and constant status meetings. They also want teams to set team goals, quote, unquote, outside of regular retros that we already have for the team improvement. Teams feel a lot of pressure. Uh, is this normal, question mark? And how would you suggest handling it? This is a pretty juicy question, actually. Uh, I'll start with you. Is it normal? Um, I think sadly, yes. I think it's sad, yeah. Sadly, I mean, they, I don't know if it's normal for continue, for someone to sort of rank on continuous, like like latch on to just continuous improvement, right? But the metrics thing, like it latching on velocity, so so a lot of companies latch on velocity and they want improvement, sprint over sprint. I mean, they they literally plan for like a percentage improvement, yeah, uh, and and they're all over it in status meetings and metrics and things like that. So it's sort of normal. Um, I, I think part of it, though, is not unhealthy. I think it's. I think the teams have to show something outward. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think it's totally unfair for leaders, you know, not to force, but to to, to challenge, to right? challenge, yeah. to expect something to be for forecastable out of the teams, mm-hmm. or to be transparent out of the teams that they can hang their hat on, that they can measure, uh, but not overreact to. Um, how would I suggest handling it? You know. Maybe training a little bit, maybe a little bit of coaching and giving them the balance to move them from being heavy handed, traditional command and control mm-hmm. to, to understanding their role in an agile mindset. And yep. the other part of handling it is give them some steering stuff. 
So I remember once at Cisco, uh, the the very senior leaders there were using Jira and they were diving into the hours of the task of the teams. I mean, and I'm talking to like 300, 400, 500 people. And like the senior, senior director is like, I'm watching the hours. And, you know, I don't like what I see. And I'm like, well, don't watch the hours. Yeah. Watch the sprint results. So step up two levels. Mm-hmm. And he, but he resonated with, he was like, oh, you know what? I, you know, I, I, I haven't seen the forest for the, for the trees. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and he, and he did what I suggested. And he's like, oh, the tool. I'm like, yeah, the tool will allow you to do that. Mm -hmm. But, but get your head out of that stuff and start looking at sprint commit, sprint delivery, sprint commit, and then look at trending Mm -hmm. over time. And, and not only did he get that, but he started, uh, sort of coaching that into his leadership team to his credit. And I don't know. And he was a traditional leader. So what I'm saying is a little training, a little coaching, a little understanding of what agile is and isn't mm-hmm. at a team level, like trust the team. Uh, and, but then you have to give them something. Yeah. Uh, what do you got? Ding. Oh, come on. You got to, you got to tag something onto that. What do you want me to say? The same thing? No, okay. no, no. I mean, do you have anything? No, I'm not. I'm sorry. I was forced. Well, I was. I forced you to. <laughs> You're, are you trying to man control this podcast? Do you have anything else to sort of layer on top of that cake? Not in addition that would add. No. Okay. That's you nailed it, Bob. Thank, oh, thank you. No, no, no I was. I was. I'm trying to give you a couple. Medicasters. We usually do medicast over lunch, and that's given me time <laughs> to sort of settle myself down. I'm I'm a curmudgeon. If you haven't noticed, I'm sort of a curmudgeon. I'm a little bit mature, curmudgeonly. A little bit. You know, I can get a little pesky at times. <laughs> so, so this I, is when we need video because yeah. the face and the motions you're making really right. add a lot of value. So, yeah. Uh, I'll work on it. These these mornings, I have to warm up to these morning meditations. Well, and we can still do lunch, right? It's just no, but I, you know, I like the morning. This is a good time. You're a busy guy. I just have to I, I have to latch it, ratchet it back a little bit. I get a little too feisty. God help us if we were talking about like Donald Trump or something. Oh and I, man! Oh, I, I, I next question. Uh, and these are, I think, related to like product stuff. Okay, okay. there was so let's knock out two more, and then we'll. Done? Yeah. Okay. You got it. Uh, Agile talks a lot about value or business value, Mm -hmm. but doesn't really define value. How would you define value? Also, how would you help a business determine value? That's a valuable question. (laughs) So what I always try and do is track down to behavioral metrics. What are the things that, why, why are the users using the product? What are the key things that they do? That's the value that they're getting out of it. So the one that I always latch on to is Netflix. So all of their engineers are basically trained to build stuff that gets people to watch more shows because that's that's their metric. The more people watch shows, the more people are going to continue to use Netflix. They're sticky. They're happy paying the monthly fees, all those things. So find, find, that, find that behavior that epitomizes a happy user of your system and then work towards enhancing the usage of that, make it easier, make it faster, get them to do more in a day, get them, get them to, to, to sell it, use net promoter score, things like that. So that's, that's always the direction I go. I mean, I, I as you said, net promoter score, I was just, I had forgotten what it was and I'm, it, what is, oh, net promoter score. And, and it really is connected customer yeah. is what you're saying. And, and NPS does a really great job. 
it's not net promoter score is sort of a bundle view of would you promote it and then are you neutral uh, what is it a promoted neutral negative or something mm-hmm. like that yeah so it's not you know one to fifty it's there's the really three buckets right and what you're latching on is is the delight factor it's smiley facing neutral facing sad facing right faces. And we want to, what's our measure for happy faces? What's our measure for delighting the customer? That's ultimately value. Now, in Agile, we equate priority to value. You hear that in mm-hmm. backlog. So backlog priority is also a value play. You hear this a lot that teams are trying to deliver the highest value stuff first over lowest value. Uh, but then there's a connect the dots. So you're trying to predict that and determine that in advance. Uh but you also want to measure it. And, that's, and then how would you help the business determine value? Uh, I think it's like check it at the end. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, do a net promoter score after you do a release. Yeah. Uh, or measure click rates on some or a new, on a new feature that you deliver. Right. So that's, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm looking for is with, with those behavioral metrics is going into an epic or a feature or a set of stories saying that our intent is to increase usage of this by 5%. So that's our, that's our business case. Right. And that's our goal. That's our, that's our, that's our sort of our, our objective for this and then Mm -hmm. measure it Yeah. and not measure it hypothetically or measure it, measure it with real data Mm -hmm. from real customers. And there's tools and things, right? There's a, there's a new genre of tools that help do that. Mm -hmm. But really, that's the value. So there's, you know, sort of what estimated value, anticipated value, and then there's proven value, mm-hmm. and there's a feedback loop uh, between those two, so yeah. that you're getting better. And you don't fire a product owner who has a business case of ten thousand clicks and they only get one, mm-hmm. right? That's learning. So it's the same thing. You actually have to have the same behavior that you have with developers. You shouldn't be firing developers who screw up a component and then fix it. Mm-hmm. That it's called learning, mm-hmm. and it would be the same thing. One more. Yes. What, what is the difference between a product owner and a business analyst on an agile team? So we talked about this a little bit at the conference, and I brought up Top Gun and Goose and Maverick. <laughs> oh, what a way. This is the last question, right? Yeah. And you're bringing up Top Gun. Top Gun. Yeah, <laughs> you rock. So to me, the product owner is the is the representative of the user for the team. And we've talked endlessly over our 100-plus episodes about how challenging the product owner role is and the reality of one person fulfilling all of the needs there is near impossible. So having a wingman that can help and support and do all of the things that need to do for a product owner to be exceptional, having that wingman, having Goose sitting next to you along the way is amazingly helpful. So, so uh, the product owner is Maverick. Yes, and the business analyst is Goose. Yes, and think how think how sad. Ding. Oh, ding. All right, Medicast. Okay, we, we no no. I I just I quieted Josh. He had just nailed it. Right, he had us at, at Goose and Maverick. <laughs> So with that, from beautiful downtown Raleigh, North Carolina, I'm Bob Galen. And I'm Josh Anderson. Shake and bake. Take care, y'all.